You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. This is our 21st podcast so far, uh, moving along, and clearly an exciting time in the college basketball world. Selection Sunday um, was this past week, or I guess technically this week, (laughs) but um, everyone has their brackets out, starting to get those in shape, and, you know, we we wanted to have a, a really exciting podcast here to talk not only about what's coming up this weekend, but what happened on Selection Sunday how that factors in kind of with the Big Ten, um, how far the teams might go, who might have the best matchups. Um, and we do have a really exciting guest on today. Uh, we have Reese Davis from ESPN. He hosts uh, ESPN's College Game Day, the, the basketball version. Um, and he's going to talk a little bit about not only what he kind of sees out of Selection Sunday and this weekend, but uh, a great group he's involved with is uh, the Capital One Cup. Um I'm not sure how many people have followed it, but um, it, it's really cool. It, it kind of is an award that follows all the schools throughout all the sports, um, men's and women's, and um, basically your allocated points um, based on how, how well a team performs. I know uh, Michigan from the Big Ten had a pretty good year last year, I remember, in the Capital One Cup. Um, I know Stanford is a, a, a behemoth <laughs> in that uh in that race, but uh, Reese will talk a little bit about that um, later and kind of his thoughts. But uh, before he did get on, just kind of wanted to refresh everyone on where we're sitting. Um, coming into this weekend, seven Big Ten teams were selected, which is um, the best in the country. Um, the Big 12 did tie. They both had seven teams selected. But um, I do think considering, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about what I think it means in a second year, but Seven teams were selected. The number one seeds this year um, are Kentucky, Villanova, um, Duke, and then the Big Ten's own Wisconsin. They are widely considered as the last number one, but number one seed is still a number one seed. Um, Along with Wisconsin out of the Big Ten, you had Purdue, which was a nine seed, Um, Indiana, who is a 10, Ohio State, who is a 10, uh, Iowa, who is a seven, Michigan State, who is a seven. I think I got them all. Oh, Maryland, who is a four as well. So that's uh, all seven teams there. Um, Wisconsin's matching up with Coastal uh, Carolina. Uh, a 16 seed has never beaten a one seed, so there's really not much to talk about there in terms of this weekend, or at least you know the next couple of days. <clears throat> um, after that. Uh, the tricky thing with the Big Ten this year is that um, the only really highly seeded teams are Wisconsin and Maryland. Maryland's a four. They get Valparaiso in the first game, and then they'll face either West Virginia or Buffalo in the uh, round of 32. But that's one of the big storylines um, about the Big Ten is there are a lot of teams, but 
it's it's going to be tough to get um, most of these teams out of the first weekend. Um, you know, again, Purdue's a nine against a pretty solid Cincinnati team. Indiana's against Wichita State. Um, uh, Ohio State against VCU. Michigan State against Georgia. I know a lot of people kind of feel like the Spartans are a bit underseeded, but that's still that, you know, Georgia, they played well with Kentucky. They're a pretty solid team overall, so that's not an easy matchup there. Um, and then Iowa with Davidson. And Davidson seems to be a popular or at least a trendy upset pick right now. Um, so I, I think the interesting thing is um, – you know, clearly the Big Ten would like as many teams to advance as possible, but I think, you know, the high water mark of the Big Ten, it's either going to be Selection Sunday or it's going to be Friday night if the Big Ten can have a good opening round. Because I think Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, I, I don't want to talk down about the Big Ten, but I think it, it's setting up to be a, a rough two days for the conference. Um, just in the fact that, you know, we'll say Indiana does beat Wichita State. Then they're going to have to play Kansas. You know, if Maryland will have a tough matchup if they get West Virginia, big physical team, really good rebounding team. Purdue, if they win, will probably play Kentucky. Uh, Michigan State, if they win, will probably play Virginia. Um, Gonz- uh, if Iowa wins, they'll probably play Gonzaga. Ohio State wins, they'll probably play Arizona. Just in those groups, I mean – Kansas is down, so maybe Indiana can pull off an upset against Kansas. Maryland probably gets out of there, but almost all of those across the board are all really tough matchups. Um, you know, you could you could see teams winning. I know in my in my bracket, I actually have Iowa upsetting Gonzaga. Um, I think Michigan State could be an interesting matchup against that Virginia um, team there. But I, I think when you look at least on paper the Big Ten is very likely to be sitting with two or three teams max um, heading into the Sweet 16, which if they could get three teams, that would be pretty good. But, um, you know, I, I think the Big Ten's, you know, as people see it in terms of perception, its highest point can be Friday, especially if a couple of these 10 seeds like Ohio State or Indiana can get their get through the first round. Um, and when I say first round, I mean round of 64, not – the games that are on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Um, I know there's kind of a debate about that, but I've always viewed the round of 64 as the first round, although some view it as the second round. But that aside, I I think that's the big thing because um, I think very easily the Big Ten could have three teams going into this weekend. Um, You know, and you're probably going to get four. I know Ken Palm has five teams. He has everybody but Purdue and Indiana advancing to the round of 32. But I think when you look at some of these matchups, you know, it's not, you know, Davidson taking out Iowa, not unreasonable at all. VCU taking out Ohio State, not unreasonable. Wichita State being Indiana. You know, as I just mentioned, you know, according to Ken Palm, that's what's going to happen. Um, Even, you know, I, I think Maryland's probably pretty safe in their first game, but that's not a guarantee game. When you're down at a four seed, that's not a uh, a sleeper game. And then, you know, Purdue at a nine against a Cincy team that a lot of people like, um, that's that's a tough matchup. Um, <laughs> I think, um, let's see, I think I have fives advancing. Um, 
Or no, I think I have six. And I have Indiana going down. It's the only one I have going down in the first game. But um, you know, even if you get to six, that's that's less uh, you know chances to get through to the Sweet 16. Um, typically, I, I think the best the best measures of a conference performing in the postseason are the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. I think once you get beyond that, you're dealing with um, just such elite teams that you really can't judge based on one. I mean, you know, if if the Big Ten has a rough weekend and Wisconsin keeps advancing, you know, I think that has more to say about Wisconsin than the conference as a whole. And and I take that for, you know, the ACC, if Duke is the only team that does well, or the Big 12, you know, if maybe Kansas is the only team that does well, or Iowa State. But I, I think when you're looking at the Sweet 16, there are still enough teams left. There are still enough, you know, um, reasonable matchups to win for most teams, especially when you look at, you know, like the Big Ten slate. Um, but, you know, last year the Big Ten had three teams in the Sweet 16, I believe, um, with Wisconsin, Michigan, State, Michigan, three teams in the Elite Eight, I know. Um, and that was a outstanding year. They didn't get the title, but um, clearly a, a great year um, in terms of postseason play for the Big Ten. I'm just – I'm having some trouble seeing that – as much this year just because, you know, even if the Big Ten can hold its ground in a lot of these, you know, 50-50 type games, um, I just think there are these great, great teams waiting right in the next round for them. Um, And a perfect example, you know, is Purdue with Kentucky. Kentucky's undefeated. Kentucky is an extremely talented, deep team. They have it all. There's no debating there. And the thing is, is even if Purdue does beat Cincinnati, I mean, there aren't many – There, I, well, I can say there's no team in the country that would be favored against Kentucky right now or even close to, you know, 50-50 odds at this moment. Um, and it's – that's pretty much where Purdue's locked in, you know, outside of a crazy upset. And I think when you look through, there are three or four of these that the only way the Big Ten team advances is a crazy upset. Um, you know, and off the top of my head – I think Purdue for sure. <laughs> Clearly they would need a crazy upset. Um, Iowa would need a big upset. Ohio State would be – I group all three of those in the – they would need a monumental upset. The only reason I wouldn't group Michigan State into there, I like Virginia a lot. I actually have them in the Final Four myself. But I think people know that that Michigan State team is probably a bit underseeded um, with Tom Izzo and a lot of talent, and the fact that if they hit free throws, they can play with almost anybody. I, I think they're not a conventional seven seed, and that's why I would say I don't think that one would be as crazy of an upset. But still, it would definitely be an upset to beat Virginia. So I, I think my moral of the story here um, is the next two days are key. Um, if the Big Ten can do well there, I, I think we can step back and say, yeah, the Big Ten did pretty well in terms of the postseason, um, especially if Wisconsin and Maryland can advance um, past uh, the first weekend, not the first uh, round. Um, it'd be a pretty good postseason for the Big Ten. Um, outside of that, I think, um, you know, potential upsets, I, I, I don't think there is a Big team, uh, a Big Ten team in their first game, um, as I mentioned, that is a an upset, so to speak. I mean, Indiana might be the least favorite team in the first round. They're still a 10 seed against a seven. It's not 
that unreasonable to see them advancing. So I, I think the Big Ten, they're not as much of an upset conference through the first round, but the second round in terms of upsets for me, um, I, I don't like Ohio State as much for an upset. I, I do like Iowa. Iowa, to me, is a big one that could beat Gonzaga. Um, they already went on the road, beat North Carolina. They swept Ohio State. They played uh, a lot of teams tough. I know they're coming in with a rough loss against Penn State, but um, I think they can be a, a challenging matchup for Gonzaga. Um, Hawkeyes have a lot of size, and I'm not – personally, I'm not super high on Gonzaga. But I, I'd circle them as the potential upset this weekend, but they got to get through a uh, – a Davidson team that really can get an upset here and there. Um, and then in terms of the other thing, which is probably the, the bigger story, um, who can make a deep, deep run. Um, I, I think obviously the easy pick is Wisconsin. Um, they're in my final four. They're actually in my title game. Uh, so give it away. I think Kentucky will go down, but um, I think uh, they're the easy, easy pick. I mean, they're head and shoulders above any other team in the conference. Um, at least in terms of uh, talent, especially in the starting lineup. Um, Outside of them, I know some people like Maryland. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to get to the Sweet 16. I have my doubts to even get to that potential matchup with Kentucky. If they do, I think Maryland is an interesting matchup. Great guard play, obviously. And I think to beat Kentucky – I think you have to have the shooters. I don't think you can beat them by out-rebounding them. By, I mean, clearly you have to play defense, but I don't think you can grind out a win against Kentucky. I think you're going to have to really try to run up the score. And I think Maryland's a team that could do that with their shooting, pretty good three-point shooting team, and Trimble and Wells could do a lot of damage. But I, I will hedge that statement by saying um, I'm not sure if they can uh, – Get, get to the matchup with Kentucky. Um, outside of those two, to me, as I already mentioned, I think for a deep run, um, Michigan State to me is, but the tough thing is they get Virginia very likely this weekend if they do win their first game. Um, and that's, to me, Virginia is the best team in that bracket, and I think you can make an argument they're the best team in that entire side um, of the bracket, you know, including Duke, including Gonzaga. Um, but if they did, they did manage to beat Virginia. I think they have a pretty good pass um, to the Final Four um, in Indy. But um, outside of that, I, I think you know Ohio State would have a really tough matchup with Arizona. Um, you know Iowa. There's a couple good teams, including Iowa State, in that um, their bracket. So I, I think if you're talking deep runs, I think you have to go with obviously Wisconsin. Um, And then I I think Michigan State has the most potential um, as a second Big Ten team to make a run. Um, I know Maryland is the second highest-seeded team in the Big Ten, but I think uh, clearly that Kentucky (laughs) um, team in their uh, region kind of shakes things up. And along with that, I think um, uh, a lot of these other teams – are set to have tough matchups. Maybe Indiana, but um, then you also have, you know, Notre Dame in that region. But we are uh, excited to be joined by uh, Reese Davis here um, to discuss Selection Sunday and um, this weekend. Uh, Reese, how are you doing today? 
Hello? Oh, oh Reese, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Great, great. Um, we're excited to have you on to talk about uh, the first weekend in March Madness here. Um, obviously, last weekend was Selection Sunday. Uh, seven Big Ten teams taken. Um, what were what were your initial thoughts, and uh, especially your thoughts on the Big Ten in general and how they represented uh, on Selection Sunday? Well, I thought that every Big Ten team uh, that made it certainly deserved it. I didn't really understand the controversy or the discussion surrounding Indiana relative to the other teams that were being discussed. Now, uh, if you know, if there was a subjective judgment that Indiana wasn't quite the team that it was when it put together some of those wins, and that's great and that's fine, And I, because I believe there's room for subjectivity in that committee room. But if you were looking at it from a predictive standpoint based solely on the things everybody falls back on, top 50 wins and all of that stuff, Indiana was clearly better than the other teams uh, resume-wise that were being discussed. So from a big-picture standpoint, I thought all of the Big Ten teams that deserved to be in, um, I thought they were seated appropriately. Even even Ohio State, who our basketball power index has as the most underseeded team in the tournament, and the team that I identified several weeks ago is because of D'Angelo Russell, largely the team that was best suited and best equipped to have a guy carry them on a Kemba Walker, Shabazz, Napier-like front. Uh, Ohio State hasn't played well, you know, down the stretch of the season, and that hurt them in the seeding a little bit. But I think that, uh, you know, I think that there are uh, several Big Ten teams that are in good position. And I guess to that end, uh, I was looking for uh, a team that I thought was good, that was a little underseeded, and that maybe had a, a decent draw. And I, I have Michigan State going to the Final Four for those reasons. Um, you know, obviously they're in handling end-of-games worries me a little bit because of the number of uh, problems they've had in that regard, whether it was a, you know the Minnesota game, the Indiana game, which they actually won, or the uh, Big Ten tournament championship game the other day. But I do think that you know if they can make a few free throws, that they've got a pretty good shot against a Georgia team that's been injured and a Virginia team that uh, did not appear to be at full strength to me with Justin Anderson. Uh, and a rematch game, obviously, for Michigan State from last year. So I think Michigan State's in, in, uh, in good position as well in terms of the Big Ten, and then obviously Wisconsin's a national championship contender. Yeah, and um, talking about uh, this year, it seems coming in that uh, I know a lot of people have talked about it as kind of a top-heavy year. Um, the top you know, five or six teams might be better than they have been over the last couple of years. Um do you, do you agree with that? Do you think it's a top-heavy year? And um, if there is a, a wild card, I know you mentioned Michigan State, but uh, who, who do, you, do you think could be that wild card in the Final Four? Well, I mean, that's who I picked in Michigan State, and I, but I do think it's a top-heavy year. I think that, uh, that Michigan State, due to some of those end-of-game uh, scenarios that I referred to and free-throw shooting, I think that they are the team that – is, I guess, maybe as not best equipped, because that was maybe slight some others that I think are equally equipped, but they are as equipped as anyone to kind of break through and at least on a particular night be able to beat one of those upper echelon teams. But I do believe that there is a significant difference in the top six or seven teams and uh, and the rest of the country. I would say probably there's a, a pretty perceptible drop in 
my estimation, probably from the top seven, maybe to the next group. There's there's a you know a line of delineation, and there's another little group of teams, and I think after that it drops off pretty significantly, with a few exceptions in that next group. And I would think that Michigan State uh, would be one of the teams in that in that third group that's kind of the exception that uh, has the ability on uh, you know the right scenario to play with uh, play with the upper echelon team. Um, and, and obviously, you know, outside of maybe the, the strength of the top, the, the big story coming in is Kentucky undefeated. Um, I know they're the, the big-time favorite. Um, and for, for Big Ten fans, you know, they have a potential three matchups with the Big Ten, um, including the Final Four game. Do, do you think they're one of those Big Ten teams uh, like Purdue or Maryland could knock off Kentucky um, early on, or are they just too tough to, uh, for one of those teams to beat them? I don't mean any disrespect to both of those teams, who I think are good teams who've had good seasons, and I don't think they're. I don't think they can beat them. Um, you know, well, I mean, look, when you say something like that, that doesn't take into account, uh, you know, some traumatic injury or for some inexplicable reason, Kentucky just playing a horrible game. Um, outside of that, I don't see um, how Purdue or Maryland. Uh, could beat them. I just don't think they have the horses to do so. Maryland, I mean, pardon me, Purdue is probably the only team um, that I can think of that has two legitimate seven-footers to go against Kentucky. Kentucky's got four of them. (laughs) And uh, I I think, uh, I I just, I don't see Purdue being able to do it. I do think Purdue will be Cincinnati. Um, I think Maryland's had a great season and the four seed the unfortunate draw of if they make it to the Sweet 16 running into a team they can't handle. Um, and I think Turner's has done a great job, and they're a really, really good team. I do think Wisconsin can beat them. Uh, uh, if if the Badgers get there, they shoot it so well. They're so disciplined. They don't foul you. They don't turn it over. They don't give up offensive rebounds, although they did in the loss to Maryland in the regular season. But, they, you know, assuming that they didn't give up a lot of offensive rebounds to Kentucky and, and and Frank handled the length that would be guarding him maybe a little bit better than he did in the Final Four last year. Not that he handled it poorly, but it was just a little bit more of a force. Um, you know, I think uh, Wisconsin can. Wisconsin's one of the few teams in the country that, that look, I think if Kentucky plays this A to A-plus game, they're going to beat anybody. But, you know, if they just kind of play that A to A-minus game and Wisconsin also plays this A game, I think Wisconsin is one of the few teams in the country that can line up toe to toe. Both teams play a good game. Nothing fluky about it. That Wisconsin has a mm-hmm. chance to beat them. And um, uh, obviously, Wisconsin might be one of the. Is, oh. I think, yeah, I was just going to say the unfortunate thing in my judgment for Wisconsin is another team that I think falls into that category: is Arizona, and they would see them uh, potentially in the in the Elite Eight. Yeah, and and one of the things I know people have talked about, maybe there's, uh, you know, nobody's done it yet, but maybe there's a formula to attack Kentucky. Do you think, uh, you know, maybe a bigger team, uh, a better rebounding team matches up better with the Wildcats, or do you think it, you know, maybe it's a team that can space them out and shoot over them, or is it just they're just too good that you're just going to have to play great and they're going to have to, you know, drop their level a little bit? I think it's yes to all of those questions. I think you know, it's not so much to me. It's it's not so much to me their size inside. I mean, well, that's certainly formidable. And if you are at a distinct disadvantage, like for instance, 
that I think Notre Dame will be. You know, Notre Dame is a scrappy rebounding team, but they're small. And, you know, it's hard to envision them, no matter how well they shoot, just not being physically overwhelmed. But it's not that size that I think creates the, the problem. It's the size on the perimeter. They, you know, when they have the Harrisons out there or if they have Booker playing on the they kind of, you know, they kind of, their length can really give you problems on the perimeter. And, you know, and Willie Cauley-Stein can go out there and, you know, guard your two or three men, get down to stance at, you know, seven feet tall and guard him. That's a problem, you know. And it's, uh, I think it's almost the, the length, the length and size, the size and size obviously is a big issue. But I think just as big an issue is the way they can kind of swallow up your guards, too. So, but, but I do think that, you know, not, Wisconsin's got some guys that have some size. You know, Decker and Hayes, Frank, you know, all can play out uh, on the perimeter, and they've got good size to be able to handle those things. And, and I really – I can't tell you how impressed I've been with the way Bronson Candy played this year. So, you know, and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a great shooter. And so that sort of fulfills uh, the other requirement you're talking about, about having uh, a number of guys who can make shots from the outside. Yeah, and um, I'm, I know you uh, mentioned, uh, you know, Michigan State is in your Final Four. Um, who, who else do you see making it there, uh, assuming you also have Kentucky? But uh, who, who do you see as the four teams that are going to be uh, in Indy? Uh, I have Kentucky, uh, Michigan State, Gonzaga, and that's a little bit of a hunch play over Duke. And the other, I will, you know, is not going to go over well in the Big Ten, Bob. I've got Arizona. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a coin flip game between two of the best teams in the country. And you know, I just went with Arizona basically, uh, basically because I think it's hard to go back two years in a row. Um, I think you know, here's the thing. I don't have any quibbles at all, really, with inclusion or seating of the committee. Um, but the minor quibble that I do have, I would have had Wisconsin as the number two overall seed in the tournament, meaning they would have been a one seed bracketed away from Kentucky. And if I if I had been seeding it away from Arizona as well, so I think that in that respect, that Wisconsin got a little bit of a tough break, and to me being the, you know, the fourth number one against the best number two. I thought they were the second best one behind Kentucky, and mm-hmm. I did think that Arizona was the best two. So I, I would have had Arizona opposite Villanova in a one-two, and I would have had Wisconsin someplace else. So uh, if that had been the draw, I almost certainly would have picked the Badgers to go to the final four. But it's a little bit of a hunch play, but I, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Um, if if Wisconsin makes it back, because that is a hungry, disciplined team and a great group of guys to to be around and cover. And I really enjoy uh, covering them and calling some of their games this year as well. Yeah, that would that would definitely be a a great rematch if that happened, uh, Wisconsin Arizona. Um, but but moving on to uh, you're currently promoting a uh, a great organization with the, the Capital One Cup, um, which goes through uh, the nation's best uh, men's and women's athletics programs. Um, could you take a second to talk a little bit about that and how uh, listeners can get involved? Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I really, I'm really proud to be associated with Capital One for this program. I've been a member of the advisory board now for the last five years, and this is a program that honors the very best uh, men's and women's Division One athletics programs with the Capital One Cup. We compile standings throughout the course of the year for top 10 finishes in every sport that the NCAA offers championships. So obviously uh, men's and women's basketball, a huge deal. 
uh, in terms of getting points for the Capital One Cup. 60 points are at stake for that. Uh, but this is while we want fans and encourage them and hope they will uh, get involved because we make this real interactive with a lot of a lot of fun things uh, online at CapitalOneCup.com. We're on Facebook, you know, Facebook.com slash Capital One Cup. You can follow on Twitter at Capital One. Uh, so it's um, it's something we want the fans to be involved in so they can say, you know, they can keep up with how all of their teams are doing for their favorite teams or conferences so that they can brag to their friends, you know, my team's ahead of yours, my team's going to win the Capital One Cup. All of those things are great and they're important. But the most important thing is the scholarship money that Capital One gives to the winning schools. It's a combined $400,000 in student-athlete scholarships at the end of the spring. And now that we're in our fifth year, that's going to bring the total contributions to $2 million uh, in student-athlete scholarships by the end of spring. And, you know, we, we talk so often, and understandably so, athletics should provide opportunities both in the competitive environment and on the outside of, of the arena or off the field as well. And Capital One's done a great job doing that. I'm proud to be a part of it. And I think this tournament's really important for a lot of teams in the Big Ten that can make runs. Ohio State's in first place on the men's side right now with 60 points in the Capital One Cup from the football championship. If the basketball team... Uh, returns to playing the expectations, they could make a great run. Michigan State sitting right on the edge of the top ten. They make the final four, as I predicted. They would have a, a great opportunity to move up in the standings. And uh, on the women's side, Penn State's already in first place. Um, Wisconsin's in the top ten. So there are all those uh, – Michigan State as well. There are all those opportunities on the women's side during the women's tournament as well to compile points in the uh, in the Capital One Cup race. Yeah, that's definitely a, a worthwhile cause, and um, it would be a lot of fun to see uh, who comes out on top this year. Um, the the other thing that uh, is exciting, you know, with March Madness, everybody's always worried about their bracket. Um, and from what I understand, uh, fans can compete against you in the in a, in a bracket challenge. Um, do you do you have any information on how they can uh, do that and how they can get involved in that way? They can uh, they can go to to Capital One. Uh, CapitalOneCup.com, I believe there's a link to it there. I still have to put that bracket in, so I'm uh, making <laughs> final choices, but I think I probably can't go away from the from the final four that I picked on TV uh, the other day, so I'll, I'll probably <laughs> have to stick to that one, but you'll be able to look on there and see which upsets I'm gutsy enough to pick and uh, see if you can beat me and if history tells me anything. Uh, they probably will. <laughs> and, uh, the, the bracket could be a tough thing. Cause I told Jim Calhoun this morning, the only two times I remember winning the bracket, um, I had UConn winning the championship in 99 and 2004. So I got the bragging rights there, and that was, that was kind of about it. <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, just, just two quick things before you go here. Um, what, what, what's the biggest upset, or at least you're thinking of so far? And uh, over this season, um, obviously you've won a lot of great places with game day. Uh, what what was the most fun place you had this year, or the, the craziest environment? You know, I always hate to pick that because it seems like <laughs> when you do, it's sliding, it's sliding others. Because we were, I mean, we were really fortunate. I mean, we had great crowds everywhere we went. We're very appreciative for that. Um, but I would say probably because we hadn't been to Virginia before and we also hadn't been to Iowa State, that those were the two that sort of stood out in terms of number of people in the fans. Heck, uh, you know, Virginia, 
Virginia did their best to pull a Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky once basically filled Rupp Arena. They had 22,000 people in there for our morning show, you know, 11 hours before the game. And Virginia didn't quite fill their 14,000-seat arena, but they were close. They probably had 12, 13,000 people in there. And it was rocking, and uh, Hilton was as well. So those were those were great environments. And I have a couple of upsets picked. The one that I the one that I'm sticking with is Eastern Washington over Georgetown. Georgetown's recent tournament history, uh, as you well know, hasn't been great. And Eastern Washington does one thing very well: they shoot three. Georgetown statistically does one thing very poorly: that's defend the three-point line. So I'm going to say Tyler Harvey makes enough threes, and Eastern Washington knocks Georgetown out yet again. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm sure everyone will want to take that into account as they as work their brackets here over the next couple of days. But uh, thanks again for probably, joining probably us. Good, and probably, I was going to say, oh, probably a good reason to pick Georgetown to go to the Final Four. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again for joining us, Reese. And uh, I'm sure everybody's excited about this weekend. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Again, that was uh, Reese Davis from ESPN joining us, um, hosts College Game Day, and he also um, works a lot with the Capital One Cup. Uh, as he mentioned, great organization and um, really fun way to follow, you know, not necessarily just the, the quote-unquote big sports of, you know, football and basketball, but you can follow all the sports across. Um, outside of that, that's pretty that's pretty much all we have. Uh, really looking forward to the uh, – the weekend of the NCAA tournament, some great games. Um, I guess uh, one, one minor note that I did not add to start the show, but um, Illinois did lose their opening game of the NIT last night um, on the road against Alabama. Um, they were the higher seed, but they had to go on the road due to renovations uh, at State Farm. But uh, with them going out, the Big Ten and the NIT um, is now over. <laughs> Um, disappointing to see that. I, I wrote a editorial this morning, basically talking about how it would have been nice to see, you know, maybe Michigan or Minnesota be able to get into the field, and perhaps we, the Big Ten, would still have somebody playing right now. Um, but with Illinois going down, the Big Ten is done in the, the quote-unquote other tournaments. Um, you know, seven teams this weekend, which would be great. But um, that was a was a disappointing thing to start the week, but. Outside of that, that, that's pretty much all we have. Make sure to to check us out, um, BT Powerhouse. I'm Thomas Bendit, uh, at TBendit on Twitter, um, and encourage everyone to participate against Reese in the uh, the bracket challenge on, for Capital One and uh, check out the standings as well. Thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next time.